whenever you, whenever you are dealing with issues in the world, it, it, it really hits home the church. And as I mentioned to you, that the church cannot be politically correct, but we must be loving and faithful and yet still be true to God's word. There are things that happen today in the world that we have to let, the, let people know. And how do we take a stand for righteousness and try to win people? I think one of the things that's always a challenge is how do you love people but yet draw them to God in a way that, that may come against the lifestyle that they live, but your job, and how do you do it in such a way to where your focus is to win them for the Lord? It is never an easy task of the church when the church is trying to be silenced regarding the word and the message of God. It is never easy to be able to stand. But note this, it is important that the church stands. Because the fight that we are in, when we think about a fight spiritually, we are in a spiritual battle. Because the enemy does not want God's word to succeed. His opposition is to the plan of God. The fact that God made you. He created you in his image and he made you for himself. There is always a battle between good and evil. You will see those old shows in the past where you see an angel on either side, a demon and an angel, talking to the ear of the person, trying to get them to go one way or the other way. Well, 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 not to make too much of that, there is a truth in the sense is that when you want to do right, evil is present. You've got to make choices, and depending on what choice you make, you will have to deal with the consequences down the road. And so we have to remember that while it at times may be hard to choose what's right, down the road you can stay, step back and say, I'm glad I made the decision that I did. So today I want you to ponder that as we continue with our study in the book of Ecclesiastes, please stand with me as I pray and read this passage of scripture. Lord, we honor you today for all that you've done and are doing. We thank you for the wonderful homegoing celebration of our dear brother Val Kamai family and how he was honored and for all that you have done and the fact that you brought him, Lord, to this church and in a matter of just a couple of years, the impact that he made upon the people here. We thank you right now that as a church body, we know that we are, we are leaving here. We're faced constantly with the fact of our own immort- our mortality. And we recognize that we were created in your image and we were created to worship you and to serve you. This world, this life is not all that there is. We must make preparation. And so today we pray that you will help us. Give us wisdom. May we not choose folly. May we not choose choose that which is opposed to the word of God. May we love people and stand for truth, righteousness. We give glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn with me in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse 17. I'm going to read verses, well, there's two verses at the end that we didn't read last time, 17 and 18, and then I'm going to read the first four verses of chapter 10 of Ecclesiastes, and you will be able to find it on possibly the board. So, chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes, verses 17 and 18, and then... 
chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. I also want to recognize that Sister Michelle and Brother Jerry have a grandson here, Sam, with them. So, Sam, I want to say hi to you today. Good to see you. This is how it reads in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, beginning at verse 17. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Chapter 10, verse 1. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, if the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. As a title for this message I've given, When Wisdom and Folly Cannot Come to Terms. When Wisdom and Folly Cannot Come to Terms. It is hard to get wisdom and folly to work together. Wisdom and folly, those things that are foolish, it's hard to get them to really come together. And I'm using that, giving wisdom personification. They are often at opposite ends and they have different goals. If you don't know that wisdom and folly do not have the same goals, can I get a witness? You cannot always reason with everyone. Folly does not want to solve problems. Its goal is to create problems. Be careful of trying to come to an agreement at any cost with folly. Because you may be partnering with that which may eventually destroy you. Be careful of trying to partner with people or causes at at any cause or trying to do things for the sake of who it is. Be careful partnering with wrong causes and wrong people, wrong things. Be careful. Folly tells you don't worry about the consequences now. You can deal with that later. That's what folly tells you. Don't worry about consequences right now. Ah, Deal with it later. But wisdom says consider the consequences now. Because you may be able to avoid problems down the road. Point one, and I will only be dealing with one point under this heading. It is standing at the crossroads. No matter how much you may not want to make a decision, you have to make choices in life. No matter how much you may try to get around making decisions, that's a choice that you even make. When you say, I don't want to make a decision, you just made a choice. A few weeks ago, I mentioned to you that the state of California, in regards to Assembly Bill Bill 2943, that this bill for counselors and pastors, churches in particular, from paying resources or counseling people regarding their gender or sexual orientation, and seeking to point out God's design, that if this bill passed, it would be illegal to counsel anybody 
who came to you as a pastor, as a leader, as a teacher, as a licensed counselor, says, I want to reconsider where I am standing, my orientation, that if you gave counsel that you would be, could now be sued, it would be illegal to try to change one's orientation or a person. I mentioned that to you that you don't hear about it on the news. I mentioned that here that if it was news to you, um, it probably was because the media didn't want you to know. Well, in the state of California on Thursday, it passed 2511 for right now. That's the first part. That it would criminalize me as a therapist, the church as a body, individuals who pay for resource to say that God's design is this, that one man for one woman, or that God made boys and girls, man and woman. And now it has to go to the next part for concurrence to the Fuller Assembly. If it passes there, it goes to governors, to the governor's desk for signing. What's the issue? The issue is that the church is in opposition against the world, and there is a fight to silence the church. Can you imagine people that have come out of a lifestyle and said, you know what, I'm now a Christian, I want to do something different. Could you give me counsel? Could you talk to me? I'm just having to go through some things in my mind and to say, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you. I might be sued by the state. Or the church might lose its nonprofit status. What happens when there is a decision and you are standing at the crossroads? What happens when we are standing at a place and decisions have to be made and says, you know, well, God loves people. And your job is to call people to a lifestyle that honors God and, and, and to stand firm. There's a time when, when people have to be, 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 to know that God made people and he loves people. And we as believers, those who know God, don't have a right to come down on people in such a way to where you just can't be saved. Oh, yes, people can be. But here's God's standard. And how do I show love and compassion to draw people to God in such a way to say, but this is God's standard. This is what the word of God says. Can you imagine James Dobson, who founded Focus on the Family. Many of you may not know who he is. And given counsel, say, Dr. Dobson, you can no longer preach from the word of God against this. Or against anything. Now, when you talk, think about it. What is it? There is a spiritual fight that's taking place in this world between that which God says is my role and my laws and my rules. And this is what I say for the family, that this is the best way to make it in life. This will lay out your life in a way where you will be able to show wisdom and have wisdom. The other way, God says, no, it violates the order that I have set up. But the state says you must do this or pay the price. What happens when laws go against the very word of God? Where does the church stand? The church must stand at a place and at a time where the church preaches the word of God and says, I'm in disagreement with you. I have a, an obligation when people come to help, and this is what they need to tell people the truth. Solomon says that when we consider wisdom, the words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shoutings of the foolish and those of folly. 
he says in verse 17, the words of the wise heard and quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Norma Lee McCorvey, many of you may not know that name. Some of you may know the name if I was to say Jane Roe, Roe versus Wade. The landmark ruling of abortion in 1973. Normally, McCorvey died last year, February 2017, February 18th. But she was the one that brought law, the lawsuit and basically says, I want to have an abortion. I, I don't want to have the child. And, and in 1973, the, the Supreme Court ruled that abortion would be legal in the state, even though she had her child and put the child up for abortion because, uh, for adoption because it had, the case would not be settled, but she still had the child but wanted to have the right to have an abortion. Many of you may not know that McCorvey became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and began to fight against abortion. She began to take stances and began to come against those in opposition, began to say it's not right when she came to the Lord. How many of you began to see her really on news and the media really advocating for the Christian, the other side? Probably not very much if you did see her at all. There is an agenda against those who want to promote holiness and righteousness. Even when one may start on the side here and says, you know, I have a change of heart. A change of heart. What would have happened if the pastor who was ministering to her had not had the opportunity to talk with her, and she didn't have the opportunity to come to a saving knowledge of Christ because someone says you might be sued if you talk in this way. Who would have known that she would have become a staunch supporter of babies living? We have a world in which choices have to be made, decisions have to be made. Where does the church stand? She never knew that it would go so far. And when she came against to try to stop it, it was already too far gone. It was out of her ability to control to do anything about. Decisions that we make have consequences. When the word of God says that wisdom is better than folly, I would say that God knows what he's talking about. Because God is a loving, wonderful, great God. God forgives everything. I don't care if a person, if a person did have an abortion, I do care. The, the Lord says, I love you and forgive you. But a person oftentimes has to live with guilt all the days of their life because of decisions. But even though they're forgiven, what happens when the person themselves wants to seek help and the state says no? Where does the church stand? We are at a crossroads today, and it will only get worse. If you are not a firm believer, you will cave and give in and say, you know what, let's have a discussion. What happens when discussions are demonized? Differences of opinion. See, we can agree to disagree. One thing I love about my friends and the kids, as we were kids growing up, even when we had disagreements, got upset, we forgot about it five minutes later. Back out there playing again as if nothing happened, didn't even remember. It's not that we didn't forget what happened.
decisions that we would not let it interfere with the relationship. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. We have all, at one point, for those who are now Christian, been sinners. We are sinners saved by grace. Everyone has not accepted the Lord. We are sinners saved by grace. We had to come through that same line of saying, God, I've done things against you. I'm sorry. Every person that has accepted the Lord as Savior has come the same way. They had to have the same blood of Christ applied. You didn't come here saved. You didn't come here already giving glory to God, waving your hands and bless the Lord, praise him. Hallelujah. Anyhow, you weren't saying those words. Those were not words on your lips. Your words were crying if you had a voice and lungs, and your first words were no and give me and stop. You had to be taught. You had to learn to give glory to God. It was against your nature to give honor to God because why? You wanted to do things your way and according to your own plan. But God's wisdom, God's ways, it, it, it began to do something on the inside of our lives that began to change us. When a person comes to God, the word of God does a work on the inside that cleanses us. So that we say, I am a child of the king. I belong to him. He's my Lord and my savior. What's my goal? My goal is to share the good things and the good news of God Almighty. Verse 10, chapter 10, verse 1. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. In other words, it makes it stink. The word ointment uh, can be substituted for the word reputation. What does your reputation smell like? You are standing at a crossroads. What's, what's your reputation? When I was a kid, I had a reputation. Don't mess with me. Dad told me one day, son, we don't send you to school to prize fight. <laughs> I thought my job was to go and beat up people when I was growing up. Mm-mm. Protect myself, but no, I, I took a little bit further at times. <laughs> What's your reputation? You see, reputations can change. When people say, that person used to be, but they're not like that anymore. That means there's a change that took place. Solomon says, dead flies make the ointment stink. What is it? Solomon said a little folly, a little foolishness can cause not only a lot of damage, it can get off, give off a bad odor. A little folly goes a long way in making things bad. It doesn't take much folly to make things bad. And so we have what's called, just a slight, what's called a chiastic statement. And I've mentioned that word before. So let me just again just briefly say when we have a statement, when it's said one way and it's reversed. So when we think of a, a statement again, we think of 
when the Bible is written, oftentimes in parallel form, you'll, the Bible will say one thing one way, and then it oftentimes will repeat it for emphasis. Today we have punctuation. We want to really make a point. We'll put an exclamation behind it. That exclamation mark. We'll, that's that person. Sometimes if you really want to make something really know your, know your voice, have somebody something known, you put it in all caps. And then put exclamations behind. They knew that person is upset. They are yelling. They're just yeah, upset with you. Put it in the text to you. All caps. Look out. That means I'm not happy. Well, they didn't have punctuations. If they just want to say something, they say it twice. Then they'll reverse the order of it and say it again. That was said for emphasis. And the Bible oftentimes is written in such a way to where it just, it doesn't, it doesn't always go in a chronological order. They'll put those things that are important first. So sometimes, wait a minute, I thought this happened. Ah, it's, it's putting the details of what you need to pay attention to here. So how do you smell? <laughs> you are standing at a crossroad. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. It is not talking here about political positions. Because that was not the issue and the thing here. When one talks about the right, it is oftentimes a reference to doing that which was moral or correct. person that does things to the left, it was talking about choices that leads a person down a road. The right oftentimes speaks of authority. When it talks about Jesus took his rightful place at the right-hand place or position of the Father. When he went back to heaven, he sat down, which was the place of authority, at the right side of the Father, a place of authority. It is very interesting today that when one talks of the right, it is oftentimes seen as more conservative and left as more liberal. And so when it talks about that, but that's not what it's referring to here, Solomon brings up. It's talking about those that are making right choices. What happens when you try to get wisdom and folly to come together on positive terms? What, what, what takes place when you try to bring these two opposing themes together? And there you stand at the, in the middle trying to bring these together and trying to get them to meet. And they are resisting. What side do you then stand on? You are at a crossroads. You've got to make decisions. And if you are inclined to think that this world loves you, you would be sadly mistaken. This world is not your friend in the sense of saying, oh, let's take care of you. See, the world comes from a place of selfishness. That it's not the world's nature to give you things and to make life easy for you in that sense. It oftentimes wants something. But oh, when God says that he'll bless you, you are the apple of his eye, God has a special thing that he does for people. He shows them that he loves them by taking them through trials. (laughs) And he will have you go through difficulties to not only have you trust him, but he will take you through various things to make sure you understand that at the end, you can stand firm. Because why? You would have gone through 
not only with a good attitude, but you will be able to stand at the end of the test. You see, those, those times when I decided to cheat on a test, which wasn't often, but at times in school, none of y'all did that, so I'm not worried about y'all. I'm talking about me. Y'all never did that. Look over at the paper of another person and try to look at a note. Didn't have to do that. I didn't feel good at the end. I felt good I passed, but at the end, I didn't really know the material. But man, if I had studied, went through the information, I came in more with confidence. Man, I, I studied. I felt good. Because I went through the process of studying to be able to get the information to pass the test. Here I am trying to cheat and trying to sneak and looking around and looking all guilty. All the teacher had to do was just keep looking around the room surveying. He, that, that, they're cheating. What are you doing? Come around the corner. You go. It was folly. <laughs> but old wisdom said just study a little bit each day. Until the time. Don't try to gather all that information. You are trying to cram the night before ain't study. You had a whole month trying to study. Then you are trying to kind of trying to stay awake, drinking coffee, taking pills, doing all kind of stuff. Ain't for ain't remembered nothing. <laughs> but if you were to just take it in a little bit at a time, just a little bit at a time, you would say, I knew the information. I prepared for it. Brings up a quick story. My niece just recently, she's been into acting. Shantae loves to act, and she's good. But she's going to be doing something fairly soon. And she had studied her lines and had went to L.A. and was working on this project and had it in. So she got into the room and told her they told her to read this, and she did. Had memorized it and went through the first two lines and blank. But she had been studying. Her mind went blank. And she's like horrified. Oh no. Start again. Start it again. It's the first two lines. And then her mind went blank. She knows she had prepared. They had her read some lines and some of them were laughing as he said certain things. And she left there, she said in the email, in tears. Knowing that she had prepared. I won't get this far. Just crying. Just all beside herself. Got a call. People says, Shantae would like to offer you this position. And she said, I was crying, but now I don't know to know. I'm, I'm crying now because of joy. <laughs> they, they, they can't be right. I, I blew it. God will sometimes take our imperfections. When you have prepared and you think you have known everything, God will take that and turn it around and bless you and say, I've got this. Just do what is right. Go ahead and do your part. Use with God. God says just prepare and stand for that which is right. And so when sometimes you think you've blown it, if you do that which is right, you can succeed. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, a fool to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks good sense. Isn't it something to where you can just see a person walking down the road and say, that person ain't got no, good, no sense. Just, they, they, just, they just look like they're about to get into something. There are some people who don't like to take advice. 
You they're telling people and you try to work with some and you you don't they're not willing to listen to what you have to say. Carol's a teacher and I know that sometimes that that it must frustrate her when the student says I can do it and she said no need to need to do it this way. But if they were to listen to what's being taught, oh, they can go a long way. But sometimes it's good to be independent. But it's the matter of what do you do with information. There's some young people that I've worked with, they just won't listen. And I have to say to myself, oh well. And then I'll hear down the road, something happened. And you know where my mind goes back to? The conversation that we had. You remember? (laughs) God has given us the ability and the privilege to be able to learn. Wisdom is quiet. To be able to take in information. But folly refuses to listen. People that won't listen. Too many young people are going and getting into trouble because they won't listen. We have a responsibility to listen. When wisdom is rejected by the foolish, you often will see their walk in life revealing their lack of sense. It doesn't always take too long to know the fool from the wise. The way the fool is will be revealed in how they live. Why are you expecting different results and doing the same foolish behavior? Why would we expect different results if we don't do something different? God has blessed us with the ability to be able to garner and to be able to learn from his word and to be able to have truth. And what we do with truth says a whole lot. There are some people who learn very quietly, just in the sense of reading. Some people are more auditory, they take in information from what they hear. Then there's some people with both. Some people learn differently. But it's the fact of the matter that people are willing to take in and to listen. It's the foolish person who says, I don't need anyone to help me. What happens when wisdom and folly cannot come to terms? Where do you stand? What, what are you willing to give your adherence to and your life to? Foolishness will call you. Wisdom will call you. And I will soon... Be done. If the anger of the ruler, verse 4, chapter 10, rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to heart. The idea here, as I mentioned before, we talk about the ruler. It goes back to chapter 9, verse 17, when it talks about how the ruler doesn't listen. I'll read 17. The words of the wise heard inquired are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. It's believed that it's referring back to the ruler who was a foolish person. And and the the matter is that when it talks about not leaving one's post, there was the belief in the idea that there had been a rebellion that was set up in the heart of the person who had opposed the ruler. And somehow maybe this person came to find out. He says calmness can calm a situation. It can bring a difference to the matter. So Solomon says don't leave your place if the ruler's anger is flaring out against you. Why? Because calmness can bring a certain type of relief to the situation. So where do you stand? And where are you at the crossroads? What happens when wisdom and folly cannot come to terms? What do you choose? You've got to live in this world. You've got to live life. And the issue that you've got to contend with is that the world is not going to make it easy for you in regards to choices that the Bible says one must live by.
Solomon said that I sought wisdom. I went for wisdom. I sought out wisdom, but I also went and tested folly. And I come to see that wisdom is far better than going after folly. If you are a person here today at the crossroads of life, and there are decisions that you have to make, be careful of choosing foolishness, because foolishness is to say, don't worry about the consequences now. You can deal with that later. But wisdom says, look at the consequences now, so that you can avoid the problems later. I told you, there's been decisions that I wish I could have done differently. So when we say, Think about older people having wisdom. Young people need to listen to some of the older people. Because there's some wisdom behind what they have to say. Not always, but a lot of times. If you have people of wisdom in your life, listen to them. If you're at the crossroads and know that there are decisions you've got to make, choose wisdom. The state's going to be making, trying to make choices for you. And where do you stand when the state and government says to you, we don't believe the word of God and we're going to do everything possible without you knowing to change things. In fact, they're not even doing that. They're just telling you blatant, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this. Now the Bible says obey the laws of the land, but when it comes into opposition and oppose to God's word, where does the church stand? The Bible says, he that lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God will give generously to the one without finding fault. The reason many people lack wisdom is because they won't even ask for wisdom. And then when they're given wisdom, they won't choose it or act upon it. That's not what I wanted. Well, that's what you need. <laughs> one of the good things about God and wisdom is that he doesn't always give us what we want. He gives us what we need. To this day, I like green beans. I like greens. I don't like peas. I won't eat peas. So I found a substitute. I'll still eat my vegetables. <laughs> choosing. Choosing. <laughs> Think about the crossroads as you stand with me. Where are you in life right now? What crossroads are you at? Is someone asking you to choose folly? Are you right there with wisdom? Because both are present. Remember, they go in opposite directions. Today, I want to encourage you to listen to wisdom, recognize, and listen to the consequences of wisdom rather than telling, than folly telling you, don't worry about it. You can deal with that later. They can't come to terms. <laughs> Today, Lord, in this place, we thank you for your wonderful grace and your wonderful mercy. And we thank you for the tremendous privilege of having a mind, not only a brain, but a, a mind where our emotions sit, where we have God, your will, your, we can make decisions, judgments. May we be careful, careful not to be swayed only by emotions, but may we give thought to the things in life. When we do blow it, God, may we quickly say, hey, Lord, I blew it. I'm sorry. Help me to learn from this and choose that which is right. And we thank you that you are such a loving God that you give us 
makeup test over and over again, we get to pass it. But if not, we've got to take a remake. We've got to take a retake. We've got to retake that test. And we thank you that you are so kind to us and so loving that you don't leave us to our own devices. May we not choose the ointment where the flies have settled, but may we choose the wisdom of the Almighty God. May we recognize that wisdom is often given in very quiet ways, and may we be careful not to listen to the boisterous and all the anger and all the things that are loud. May we take a precaution and watch and take the quiet road of righteousness. We love you today. We thank you for those that are here. And as we leave, give traveling mercy. Get us to our various destinations safely and help us to be careful to give honor and glory to you always in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Saturday. God bless you.